Nine years ago, technology entrepreneur Sam Altman made a prediction. He said it would take a long time before humans had to worry about losing their jobs to artificial intelligence. Here he is speaking at a Wall Street Journal conference at the time. Computers and humans are very good at very different things. So a computer doctor will outcrunch the numbers and do a better job than a human on looking at a massive amount of data and saying this, but on cases that require judgment or creativity or empathy, we are nowhere near any computer system that is any good at this. But now, almost a decade later, Altman and the company he co-founded, OpenAI, have released an AI chatbot called ChatGPT that can do a lot of things humans can. It can write emails, business plans, even computer code, things that nine years ago didn't seem possible. And this week, Altman returned to that same conference, the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live, and spoke with our colleague Joanna Stern, who asked him about that prediction. Does 2023 Sam agree? Partially right and partially wrong. Okay, Could have been worse. Could have been worse? Um, What's your outlook now? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, October 20th. Coming up on the show, a conversation with the leaders of OpenAI. This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. Earlier this week, our colleague Joanna Stern sat down with two of OpenAI's executives, CEO Sam Altman and CTO Mira Moradi. Sam, Mira, Sam, thank Hi. you so much. Thanks for having us. Joanna started by asking Altman about the company's ultimate goal, creating artificial general intelligence, or AGI, a type of AI that's as smart as humans. And Sam, why is AGI the goal? I think AGI will be uh, the best tool humanity has yet created. With it, we will be able to solve all sorts of problems. We'll be able to express ourselves in new creative ways. We'll make just incredible things um, for each other, for ourselves, for the world, for, for kind of this unfolding human story. Uh, and, you know, it's new and anything new comes with change and change is uh, not always all easy, um, but I think this will be just absolutely tremendous upside. And nine more years, if you're nice enough to invite me back, you'll roll this question and pe people will say like, how could we have thought we didn't want this? Like, When will it be here and how will we know it's here? We, we kind of define AGI as like the thing we don't have quite yet. So we've moved, I mean, there were a lot of people who would have 10 years ago said, all right, if you could make something like GPT-4, GPT-5 maybe, that would have been an AGI. And, and now people are like, well, you know, it's like a nice little chatbot or whatever. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's great that the goalposts keep getting moved. It makes us work harder. Um, but 
I think we're getting close enough to whatever that AGI threshold is going to be that we no longer get to hand wave at it, and the definition is going to matter. OpenAI has released several versions of GPT, each more powerful than the last. Its latest version, which came out earlier this year, is called GPT-4. But there's a lot of anticipation about what the company is working on next. Joanna asked Mira Marathi, OpenAI's CTO, whether the company is working on GPT-5. Mira, how's that GPT-5 going? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're not there yet, but it's kind of need-to-know basis. I'll let you know. That's such a diplomatic answer. I'm going to make Mira do all of these now. I would have, no, I would have just said, oh, yeah, here's what's happening. That's great. We'll leave it there. No, no, no. We're not sending him back here. Who paired these two? Who paired, whose idea was this? Um, You're working on it. You're training it. We're always working on the next thing. One of the things OpenAI has been working on is trying to reduce the number of so-called hallucinations. This is when the chatbot generates a totally false answer. Will GPT-5 solve the hallucination problem? Mm. Well, I mean, actually, maybe. Like, let's see. Um, We've made a ton of progress on the hallucination issue um, with GPT-4, but we're still quite, uh, we're not where where we need to be. But, you know, we're sort of on the right track. And it's it's unknown. It's research. It it could be that uh, continuing in this path of reinforcement learning with human feedback, we can get all the way to really reliable outputs. And we're also adding other elements like retrieval and search, so you can um, you have the ability to to provide more factual answers or to get more factual outputs from the model. So there is a combination of technologies that we're putting together to kind of reduce the Another problem OpenAI has faced are lawsuits. From writers like George R.R. Martin and John Grisham to the comedian Sarah Silverman, they're alleging copyright infringement because their copyrighted work was used to train the company's AI models. One lawsuit calls ChatGPT, quote, systematic theft on a mass scale. OpenAI has said it trains its AI models on publicly available information. The company has also said that it respects the rights of creators and authors and that many creative professionals use ChatGPT. Sam, I'll, I'll ask you about the data, the training data. Obviously, there's, there's been you know, maybe, maybe some people in this audience who may not be thrilled about some of the data that you guys have used to train some of your models. Not too far from here in, in Hollywood, people have not been thrilled, uh, publishers. When you're, when you're considering now as you're, as you're walking through and tarring, going to work towards this, these next models, what are the conversations you're having around yeah. the data? So we obviously only want to use data that people are excited about us using. Like we don't we want the model of this new world to work for everyone. And we want to find ways to make people say like, you know what, I see why this is great. I see why this is like going to be a new, it may be a new way that we think about some of these issues around data ownership and like how economic flows work. But we want to get to something that everybody feels really excited about. But one of the challenges has been people, you know, different kinds of data owners have very different pictures. So. We're just experimenting with a lot of things. We're doing partnerships of different shapes. And we think that, like with any new field, we'll find something that 
sort of just becomes a, a new standard. Also, I think as these models get smarter and more capable, we will need less training data. So I think there's this view right now, which is that we're just going to like, you know, models are going to have to like train on every word humanity has ever produced or whatever. And I technically speaking, I don't think that's what's going to be the long term path here. Like we have existential proof with humans that that's that's not the only way to become intelligent. And so I think the conversation gets a little bit led astray by this because what what really will matter in the future is like particularly valuable data. You know, people want, people trust the Wall Street Journal and they want to see content from that. And the Wall Street Journal wants that too. And we find new models to make that work. But I think the, the conversation about data and the shape of all of this, uh, because of the technological progress we're making, it's about to, it's about to shift. Over the past few months, OpenAI has introduced a lot more personalization to GPT-4. Users can give it information about themselves, which ChatGPT uses to provide custom responses. It also now has its own voice, which Joanna demonstrated on stage by asking it a question. I've got a big interview with OpenAI executives, and I'm nervous. Any advice? Absolutely. Given your background as a technology columnist, you're well-equipped for this. Just be yourself, do your homework on OpenAI's latest developments, and trust in your expertise. Remember, they'll likely appreciate thoughtful and well-researched questions. And hey, everyone gets nervous. Take a deep breath and rock it. Am I rocking it? Definitely. I'm rocking it. All right. But what's so striking about that, first of all, I want every, that's, that's the voice of ChatGPT. They have one of five. Yeah, that, I mean, that is the voice. It, it, is, it sounds so human. It sounds so natural. It knows about me because I've already put into custom instructions. I'm a tech journalist. It also knows I'm allergic to avocado. It's always putting that in there. Don't eat avocado. I'm like, I'm not asking about avocado. <laughs> we got some work to do. Is there a future, and this is what you're maybe trying to build here, where we have deep relationships with this type of bot? It's going to be a significant relationship, right? Because, you know, we're, we're building these systems that are going to be everywhere, in, at your home, in your educational environment, in your work environment, and maybe, you know, when you're having fun. And so that's why it's actually so important to get it right. That's a big responsibility, though. And you guys will be in sort of control of people's friends. Maybe it gets to being people's lovers. How do you guys think about that control? First of all, I think there's, we're not gonna be the only player here. Like there's gonna be many people. So we have, we have, we get to put like our nudge on the trajectory of this technological development. And we've got some opinions, uh, but A, we really think that the decisions belong to sort of humanity, society as a whole, whatever you wanna call it. And B, we will be one of many actors building sophisticated systems here. So it's gonna be a society-wide discussion. It's, and, and there's gonna be all the normal forces. There'll be competing products that offer different things. There will be different kind of like societal embraces and pushbacks. There'll be regulatory stuff. It's gonna be like the same complicated mess that any new technological birthing process goes through. And then we, we pretty soon will turn around and we'll all feel like we had smart AI in our lives forever. And you know, that's just, that's, that's the way of progress. And I think that's awesome. Um, 
I personally have deep misgivings about this vision of the future where everyone is like super close to AI friends and not like more so than human friends or whatever. I personally don't want that. Uh, I accept that other people are going to want that. Um, and, you know, some people are going to build that. And if that's what the world wants and what we decide makes sense, we're, we're going to get that. I, I personally think that personalization is great. Personality is great. But it's important that it's not like personness, and, and at least that you know when you're talking to an AI and when you're not. Uh, you know, we named it ChatGPT, and not—it's a long story behind that. But we named it ChatGPT, and not a person's name, very intentionally. And we do a bunch of subtle things in the way you, you use it to like make it clear that you're not talking to a person. Um, and I, I think what's going to happen is that in the same way that people have a lot of relationships with people they're going to keep doing that and then there'll also be these like AIs in the world but you kind of know they're just a different thing After the break how to prevent the AI apocalypse This episode is brought to you by Workday Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. go from the chatbot we just heard that told me to rock it to one that, I don't know, can rock the world and end the world? Well, I don't think we're going to have like a chatbot that ends the world. But well, how do we go to this idea of we have, uh, we're, we've got simple chatbots. They're not simple. They're, they're advanced what you guys are doing. But how do we go from that idea to this fear that is now pervading everywhere? If, if we are right about the trajectory things are going to stay on, and if we are right about not only the kind of like scaling of the GPTs, but new techniques that we're interested in that could help generate new knowledge. And someone with access to a, a system like this can say, like, help me hack into this computer system or help me design, a, you know, like a new biological pathogen that's much worse than COVID or any number of other things. It seems to us like it doesn't take much imagination to think about scenarios that deserve great caution. And... And again, we, we, we all come and do this because we're so excited about the tremendous upside and the, the incredibly positive impact. And I think it would be like a moral failing not to go pursue that for humanity. But we've got to address, and this happens with like many other technologies, we've got to address the downsides that come along uh, with this. And it doesn't mean you don't do it. It doesn't mean you just say like, mm, this AI thing, we're, we're going to like, 
you know, we're going to like go like full Dune and like blow up, you know, and have not have computers or whatever. But it means that you like are thoughtful about the risks. You try to measure what the capabilities are and you try to build your own technology in a way and that, that mitigates those risks. Another risk is what AI could do to the workforce and how quickly that could happen. Every technological revolution affects the job market. Uh, and over human history, you know, every maybe 100 years, you can feel different numbers for this, 150 years, half the kind of jobs go away, totally change, whatever. Um, I'm not afraid of that at all. In fact, I think that's good. I think that's the way of progress. And we'll find new and better jobs. The thing that I think we do need to confront as a society is the speed at which this is going to happen. It seems like over, you know, two, maximum three, probably two generations, we can adapt, society can adapt to almost any amount of, of job market change. But a lot of people like their jobs or they dislike change. And going to someone and saying, hey, the future will be better, I promise you, and society's going to win, but you're going to lose here, that, that doesn't work. That's not, a, that's not cool. So we're going to keep finding things to do. And the people in the future will probably think some of the things, will think some of the things those people do is very silly and not real work in a way that like a f hunter-gatherer probably wouldn't think this is real work either. You know, we're just trying to like entertain ourselves with some silly status game. That's fine with me. That's how it goes. But we are going to have to really do something about this transition. It is not enough to just give people a universal basic income. People need to have agency, the ability to influence this, they need, we need to sort of jointly be architects of the future. And one of the reasons that we feel so strongly about deploying this technology as we do, as you said, not everybody's in these discussions, but more and more are every year. And by putting this out in people's hands and making this super widely available and getting billions of people to use ChatGPT, not only do people have the opportunity to think about what's coming and participate in that conversation, um, but people use the tool to push the future forward. And that's really important to us. What is your biggest fear about the future? And what is your biggest hope with this technology? I, mean, I, th I think the future is going to be, be like amazingly great. Uh, we, we wouldn't come work so hard on this if we didn't. I think this is one of the most significant inventions humanity has yet done. So I'm super excited to see it all play out. Uh, I think like things can get so much better for people than, than they are right now. And I'm, I feel very hopeful about that. We, we covered a lot of the fears. It, it like, again, we're clearly dealing with something very powerful that's gonna impact all of us in ways we, we can't perfectly foresee yet. But like, what a time to be alive and, and, and get to witness this. I mean, the hope is definitely to push our civilization ahead with augmenting um, our collective intelligence and the fears, we talked a lot about the fears, but you know, we've got this opportunity right now um, and you've got summers and winters in AI and so on. But you know, when we look back 10 years from now, I hope that we get this right. And I think there are many ways to, to mess it up. Um, and we've seen that with many technologies, so I hope we get it right. You're not so fearful, but I, I was going to actually ask this, but I'll, I'll ask it now. Do you have a bunker? <laughs> I have, like, structures, but I wouldn't say, like, a bunker. The structures? Uh, none of this is going to help if AGI goes wrong. This is a really? It's a ridiculous question, to okay. be honest. Okay, okay, good, good, good.
That's all for today, Friday, October 20th. The Journal is a co-production of Spotify and The Wall Street Journal. Our show's made by Annie Baxter, Kylan Burtz, Katherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Victoria Dominguez, Pia Godkari, Rachel Humphreys, Ryan Knudsen, Matt Kwong, Jessica Mendoza, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Heather Rogers, Jonathan Sanders, Pierce Singy, Jivika Verma, Lisa Wang, Katherine Whalen, and me, Kate Leinbaugh. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Nathan Singapak, Griffin Tanner, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking this week by Kate Gallagher and Sophie Hurwitz. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.